Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. Today we've got a story of someone getting back at the city they live in, but first a story from Underwater Con, Weekend Warriors. About 10 years ago, I worked for a local company that sold power equipment. Most of our clients were landscapers and contractors who either bought or had equipment repaired regularly. We knew all our regulars. It was a great place to work, partly because the owner and our manager have a zero tolerance policy for customers and clients who were sexist towards female employees. They supported us, trained us well, and didn't gaslight us when we had to deal with jerks. For the most part, our regulars were great, but the weekend warrior DIY guys were terrible. Most of them had more money than sense and didn't need anything we sold for their home projects. One summer, we'd hired a young woman to help on the sales floor on the weekend. She was still in college and kind of lacked confidence. She was great. She had an AG background. She just didn't know our products yet. One Saturday morning, she got stuck with a weekend warrior who wanted to buy a mower. He was looking at something ridiculous, a commercial-grade, zero-turn hustler with a 54-inch deck. He was not mowing acreage. He didn't have a farm. He lived in the suburbs. She took him outside to look at some of the mowers, and before long, we could hear him yelling. The manager hurried outside. I was working on a special order when she came back into the store, trying not to angry cry. The owner told her to take a break. The manager finished the sale, and the man then had to go somewhere else to buy a trailer to haul it home, because he hadn't planned for that part. When the dust had settled, I asked the manager what happened. He said the man started yelling and calling her a dumb witch because she didn't know how to turn on the mower and had offered to go get someone else. The fact that he was asking the question indicated he also did not know how to turn on the mower. I'm no longer shocked at the number of people who will drop thousands of dollars on things they don't know how to use. Later that day, the owner came over to me, sighed heavily, and told me the guy had called demanding we mail him a copy of the manual because he didn't get one. All of the manuals and links to repairs and parts for all the products we sold were on our website. But no, he wanted hard copy because he'd already been insulted enough and shouldn't have to find it himself. When I brought up the manual, it was 90 pages long, 45 pages in English, 45 pages in Spanish. I printed off the Spanish copy and left it for the mailman. I told the owner what I did when I arrived at work the next day. He just started laughing. When the guy called to complain, the owner apologized and told him a lot of our clients speak Spanish, so we didn't want to assume people only spoke English. The guy returned his mower. We're pretty sure he couldn't figure out how to get it off the trailer. We sold it a week later to a landscaping company. Do you think if a company has a customer like this that is willing to treat one of their employees that way, despite committing to making a big purchase, they should just refuse them service outright? Or considering they're making a big purchase, do you think that's not realistic to expect a company to give that up regardless of how they treat the employees? Let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. Our next story is from Strong Weakness 2638 My colleague is too wordy? Challenge accepted. I run a smallish education institution and finally after four years got a magnificent team member to handle all the customer support and tech support questions. He's great at that, patient, kind, the full package. 
and it took me a while, but I finally learned to set my boundaries and send people his way so I can focus my energy on other things I'm more useful at. So this one student sends me a private email about our upcoming program. I forward the message to my trusty colleague and inform her that he will get to her, which he did. She replies to me, not him, saying his answer was too wordy and she only asked a simple question. Basically, too long, didn't read. Well, I did answer her in as many words as him, including some direct quotes from his original message. I did not end with, should you feel like your inquiry was not addressed to your satisfaction, please do not hesitate to reach out to any member of our team and we will address it with our utmost care. As tempting as it was, I was just wordy enough. I don't know if this person just represents the bad side of the patient spectrum a lot of people are having nowadays, but all I know is is if I'm going to send an email to someone asking a question and I get a wealth of information back, especially hand-typed wealth of information, I'd be like super appreciative. Yeah, it might be a chore to read through it, but like, it couldn't be more than a couple paragraphs at the most, right? To reply back and be like, Hey, could you send me a TikTok-sized answer? I just only have one question. You just look like a huge jerk. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Every single video has awesome stories, like our next story from Novel Command 8445, a fiasco with pancakes. This happened at a restaurant a few years ago. We'll just call it Bracker Carol, or BC for short. So on a busy Sunday afternoon, the church crowd was slowly winding down and we were nearing our dinner rush. This particular restaurant, you can order breakfast all day. At around 3pm, two ladies were seated in my section and I greeted them properly. Both ordered drinks and their food as well at the same time. Guest 1 ordered mama's pancake breakfast with scrambled eggs and cheese and extra 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 crispy bacon. Guest 2 ordered the grandma sampler with scrambled eggs and cheese with extra 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 crispy sausage, bacon and ham. I put their order in exactly as they ordered and told the cooks how they said they wanted to see no pink anywhere. Cooks make the food, I expedite and bring out their meal. Everything looks the way they ordered it. Charcoal, bacon, sausage and ham. I set the food down and they immediately start running me. Never once did they ask for everything at the same time, even after I asked, is there anything else I can get for you? Every time I brought back something like hot sauce, ketchup, or napkins, they always needed something else. After five minutes of back and forth, they said everything was fine, and I went and did other duties. They hadn't touched their food until I had everything for them they had me run around for. A few minutes later, my manager on duty comes to me and asks about table 231, guest 1 and 2. He says they're complaining their eggs are cold and their food is burned. I explained they said everything looked fine, and their eggs wouldn't have been cold if they'd asked me for extra napkins, hot sauce, ketchup, and extra butter and jelly on one trip instead of six. He goes back and forth with them, and they're adamant they are not paying for the eggs or bacon and are only paying for the pancakes. Cue malicious compliance. The grandma's sampler comes with two pancakes, a sampler of meats, eggs, and a side of your choice for $9.99. Two a la carte pancakes are $7.99, so $2 off. For all of you math geniuses out there, Mama's pancake breakfast comes with three pancakes, eggs, and your choice of meat for $7.99. 
Three a la carte pancakes are $9.99, which is obviously $2 more than the breakfast. Manager on duty hands the receipts to each lady, and both stop him before he can walk away. Guest 2 is complaining that she's paying $2 less than what her breakfast would have cost, and she felt that wasn't a good enough discount. Guest 1 is complaining because her meal is now more than it was before. The only thing my boss kept saying to the both of them was, you asked to only pay for the pancakes, and that's what I charged you for. And then he walked away. They paid up front, witching the entire time at the cash register making a scene, threatened to call corporate, and said they'll be returning to speak to someone higher than my manager on duty. Manager on duty and I went into the back and kept laughing. You don't get many wins in the service industry, but this one will always be a memorable one. Yeah, I can't imagine there's too many wins coming your way working at a place like Bracker Carol. I'm almost positive OP likely did not get a tip for their service here, but at least you know they're going home not particularly happy about their experience either. Our next story is from More Than From No Fall. Sure, I'll take your pennies. I was working at a gas station about 20 years ago. One evening, this lady comes in, dumps like five or six handfuls of pennies on the counter, and states her preferred brand. Ordinarily, our cashiers would just tell someone to screw off if they were trying this, but I was pretty chill at the time, and I had nothing to do but run the register and stuff my face with food from the deli case, so cue malicious compliance. I just said, okay, but I'll have to take other customers, I'll count this between. She objects, it's all there, I counted it already. I reply, if my drawer comes up wrong, I'll get in trouble, I have to count it, sorry. She starts stomping around the store all mad, throwing her arms out, etc. I would later come to recognize this as tweaker behavior, and I start counting, meticulously setting the pennies aside in stacks of ten, and pausing every time a customer comes in. All the while, this lady's acting like she's been stabbed through the hand. Maybe half a dozen customers, and ten minutes later, I'm nearing the end of the pile. She's still standing by the door, getting more and more impatient, complaining at everyone who comes through. I was giving the other customers priority, so they didn't care, of course. Anyway, I finish counting, and she's short. Maybe 15 cents? Who could remember? It was fairly common for people to raid the penny dish to cover the cost of a pack of cigarettes they couldn't quite afford. And this was generally allowed. Small town, and after all, who even cares? But she promised me it was all there. And I got a bit of a bug up my butt about it. So I take the overflowing free penny dish and move it behind the counter before calling her over. Your accent's short. Can't I just cover it from the dish? Where is it? I say, what dish? She says, there's a dish. There's always a dish. You took it away. I gave her a puzzled look, wave my hands over the counter. There's no dish. I don't know what you're talking about. She is incensed and cusses me out for a while. I just shrugged it off. She left without her cigarettes, of course. My boss came over afterward and told me I didn't have to count those or even take them. Dude did not get me at all. But I just played it straight and was like, oh, okay. Usually when you hear a story involving a pile of pennies, this is usually a malicious compliance where the person doing the malicious compliance is the one paying with this mountain of pennies or bag of pennies. If you found yourself working in a store like this and somebody came in with a big heaping multiple handfuls of pennies, would you be willing to set them to the side and slowly count them while helping the other customers? Or would you rather just turn that down right away and not even deal with counting those? 
What side would you fall on? Let me know in the comments. And our final story of the days from I am a simp for Obi-Wan. The city wanted me to take better care of my gardens, so I had them approved by the local Nature Conservation Association. The guys at Pro Revenge argued that it better belongs here, so here I am. My house is surrounded by two gardens, one in the front facing the street and one in the back bordering my neighbor's gardens. When my parents and grandparents moved into our house 26 years ago, they planted a thick hedge around the entire property. They also installed a rose arch over the pathway to our front door, and my grandfather was always busy keeping up the garden, planting, weeding, keeping everything very tidy. My grandfather died in 2002, and after that, the garden was neglected for a few years, as my parents were still working, and my brother and I were in university and school. But then, CA 2005, my mom read something that we would plant stuff to help the bees. And she took over the gardens, planting lilac, rhododendron, roses, and various berries. Later, we also decided to install raised garden beds with various kitchen herbs. My mom's now over 70 years old and has officially given the house over to my brother and me so that we won't be taxed on inheriting it when she dies. Since then, I've been sporadically taking care of the gardens. I like them in their wild shape with all the birds, bees, bumblebees, and butterflies flying around. In autumn, we get hedgehogs, and we've been visited by a fox recently, which sends my cat into a panic. Then, recently, we received a letter from the city stating that our garden was interfering with the safety of the street because the hedge was overgrowing the pavement and contained poisonous berries which were a danger to children. Now, my brother trims the hedge every month to make sure nothing is overgrowing the pavement in any way. And while the berries are poisonous, to get to them, you'd have to be quite resilient because they're surrounded by thorns. They're also known to be an ideal food for some local birds. So, I contacted our local Nature Conservation Association and asked if they would like to have a look at our gardens and maybe tell us if we could improve anything to make them even more nature-friendly. They came, looked around, and then told us they rarely see gardens so in touch with nature. They approved our gardens as especially nature-friendly and contacted the city to tell them that from their point of view, any changes would be considered unfriendly to nature. And since our city prides itself with once being one of the green capitals in our country, they had to budge. Don't mess with my gardens. As somebody that's never particularly had a very good green thumb, I have a lot of respect for people that put in the time and effort to have a really nice garden. I mean, Opie and their brother are raising two good gardens. But not only that, but doing it in a way that's ecologically smart, helping all kinds of environmental critters and just having resources to thrive. Growing up, I've had plenty of neighbors that just have that fake sod grass basically implanted into their yard and everything else stripped out of there. Grass so green it looks like fake plastic Easter grass. So it's nice to hear about these gardens that are actually helping the environment. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another malicious compliance story that was even more insane than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, click on the right. But with that said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories.